Hey, Leading Learning listener, if you represent a membership organization looking for ways to expand your online course catalog rapidly with high quality content, we have good news. At leadinglearning.com AMA, you can find out how to make online training from the American Management Association available to your learners. Through a partnership between AMA and Tagoras, the parent company of Leading Learning, you can give your learners access to more than 70 e-learning modules covering essential business topics ranging from leading and innovating, to managing projects effectively, to working in hybrid teams. For details on how to grow your catalog with courses from a true global leader in management training, visit leadinglearning.com AMA. If you're a leader, or an aspiring leader in the business of lifelong learning, you're in the right place. I'm Salisa Steele. And I'm Jeff Cobb, and this is the Leading Learning Podcast. Hey there, we are back with another episode of the Leading Learning Podcast, and We've got another great interview lined up in this episode with Sherry Rager of the American Medical Writers Association, part of our ongoing effort to talk to people at the top levels of trade and professional associations. But before we jump over to the interview, I wanted to be sure to say up front that if you're someone who is listening to this podcast, then chances are pretty high that you and or others on your staff would be very interested in the learning technology design event that we are going to be offering this spring, specifically on May 18th and 19th in Arlington, Virginia. Learning Technology Design, or LTD for short, is a learning experience designed specifically for professionals in the business of continuing education and professional development. And our goal with the event is to help attendees find new and better ways to engage learners and create lasting impact through the effective use of technology. So if you want to be sure your organization is not getting left behind, and more importantly, if you want to connect with a peer community that can support you as you move forward, this is the event for you. You can find out more about learning technology design at ltd.leadinglearning.com. Also wanted to take a moment just to thank WebCourseWorks, makers of the Course Stage LMS, for being a sponsor of Leading Learning webinars. And as part of that package, that makes them a sponsor of this podcast episode. To find out more about upcoming Leading Learning webinars, just go to www.tagoras.com forward slash webinars. And to find out more about WebCourseWorks, go to www.webcourseworks.com. So that's enough about events and sponsors. Let's turn now to the substance of this particular podcast. And Salisa, I know you had the chance to catch up with Sherry Rager, who's the uh, Deputy Director at the American Medical Writers Association. So what ground did you cover? Well, we covered uh, a lot of different ground. They have a lot going on with online education at AMWA, um, getting a lot of things kicked off, including a new learning management system, thinking about uh, launching an online community uh, platform, not just thinking about it. They're going to be doing that in uh, next week, I believe. Um, And so she's had her head very much in... um, the rollout and the design and the development of online learning and thinking about how that fits with their other uh, place-based offerings that they have uh, been offering for a number of years. And one of the things that I think came out in the conversation is that, you know, while Sherry has, uh, you know, a couple decades experience in association management and association leadership, the online learning uh, is a new component. And so she's uh, been learning a lot about learning. 
Well, Sherry is somebody who attended the Leading Learning Symposium in the fall. She's very active and engaged in our online community. So I know she's somebody who really is enthusiastic about this stuff, is very, is very committed to it. So I'm looking forward to hearing what she has to say. With that, let's get on to the interview. I'm Salisa Steele, and this is the Leading Learning Podcast. Today, I'm joined by Sherry Rager. Sherry is the Deputy Director at the American Medical Writers Association, and she has over 20 years' experience as a nonprofit and association executive, specializing in organizational leadership and relationship development uh, and program management and member services. And she also, as I found out in preparing for our conversation, worked as a professional actor and singer. So Sherry, (laughs) first, thank you for carving out time for this conversation. And second, while I gave a, a quick snapshot of your background, I want to give you a chance to say a little bit more about yourself and the American Medical Writers Association, and feel free to sing if you're so moved. <laughs> um, as anyone who works with me knows, that is very possible <laughs> at any time of day, um, and my children like to say I have a song for every occasion, so if it, if it comes up, I will be willing to go there. Excellent. Uh, but <laughs> thank you for having me. I really look forward to our discussion today. Um, as you mentioned, I'm currently with the American Medical Writers Association. I've been here for about four years and have started here really overseeing the parts of the organization that you just mentioned, uh, particularly with an eye towards membership, marketing and communications, and operations and infrastructure. Uh, The American Medical Writers Association is the premier resource for medical communicators. And to describe the role of a medical communicator. They are professionals who write, edit, and develop materials about medicine and health. It's a broad description. Uh, In specifics, what they do is interpret and present medical and scientific information in an appropriate format and in a manner that's appropriate for their target audience. Um, And AMWA, ultimately, our mission here is to promote excellence in medical communication and to provide educational resources in support of that goal. So education has always been a very important and integral part of AMWA's offerings. My focus until recently was just on uh, all of its other programs and services. Yeah, and so I know that your involvement with the online education program at AMWA is relatively new for you. And and so could you tell us a little bit about how you inherited that and and how that kind of fits in with the place-based education um, in terms of an overall sense of the offerings that that you have um, to your members? Absolutely. So the quickest uh, answer to how I inherited this hat is that Um, As deputy director, my role shifts to meet organizational needs and priorities. So uh, the number one priority for the organization, as identified for our current year, is to build and expand an online learning program. So that uh, came to me. And my role really started because of my past experience with selecting and implementing new systems, um, particularly or perhaps I should say, unfortunately, (laughs) transitioning a number of association management systems. So I have a lot of experience in that area and was brought in kind of on the ground floor as we started thinking about uh, building the infrastructure that would support 
the online learning program that we ultimately wanted to create. And you asked about AMWA's in-person uh, experiences that we offer for education. And that is really always been the core of what AMWA offered to its members and to the medical communication field. They are three-hour intensive, high-touch learning experiences that take place uh, once a year at the annual conference and then occasionally throughout the year at regional and chapter events. So it was a very in-person focused learning experience. About 10 years ago, the organization did identify the need to have their education program more accessible. And that led to the publication of seven workbooks that focused on what the organization considers essential skills for medical communicators. So not surprising that an organization of writers uh, went from <laughs> in-person to written materials. Right. Uh, but it's no longer meeting the needs of our community to have just in-person and these self-study publications we heard from the community loud and clear. We certainly knew from our own needs and experiences that online needed to be part of the offering mix. Well, great. Yeah, so I love that you're listening and also aware of it yourself um, and, and just moving forward with that. And so as you've taken on um, this online learning, you know, what have been or what are some of your biggest challenges and, and speed bumps um, as you've really gotten kind of more hands-on? Absolutely. Well, uh, to be very, very honest, I think the biggest challenge was simply the complete and total unknown that was ahead of us. Um, I think what's really important is that our pathway to online learning can be informed by best practices and supported by consul consultants in the industry. But at the end of the day, it's our pathway, our audience, and, and our content. So we were really charting a new course. And this really wasn't anyone's area of expertise here on staff. So we did t tap into consultant support. We did uh, harness some existing staff with related experience in adult education, even though it was more in the in-person uh, side of things, to come up with a team to build a strategy and then begin to move forward on uh, our new our new charted course. Great. And, and so, you know, the unknown is the, is the big challenge. Um, you know, what have you seen or, or what are you seeing as kind of the, the biggest opportunities and possibilities? You know, where do you want to take um, AMWA's online education? Great. Well, one of the things that was a big challenge at the beginning was very much thinking about the fact that a three-hour workshop or a hundred page publication was not going to easily fit into the online education uh, system lickety split. <laughs> it was yeah. going to be, we had to really think about, okay, what content do we have that will fit well in our system and meet the needs of our audience? So that's been a challenge um, for us. We, as I said, we had some outside consultants provide 
some helpful information about best practices and ways to get started and repurposing existing content. But we got a couple months into the process and realized that for us, it was really uh, duplicating some of the content that we already had and that some of the content that we already had really wasn't in a place to be shortened. Um, They were broad-based, they were detailed, and we needed to take more time to think about how to bring those to the online environment. So that's now part of our plan for the for the coming year, next year. Uh, in this first year, we kind of switched gears a little bit. And even though we didn't plan to start from scratch, we found that building new activities based on the needs that our members told us they needed. We had done a needs assessment survey, as well as recently we had done a strategic planning survey. So from the data that we got from those two sources, we really took a look at where our gaps were in our education program and tried to create some new activities that could launch the system so people could really get a sense of what online education had to offer and how it could be different than their other experiences with AMWA. Hmm, that's great. So, and, and maybe I'm making a, an incorrect assumption here, but you talked about sort of some best practices that you got from consultants, but that ended up not really feeling right. I mean, mm-hmm. were those things like, well, take your, your top sellers and put those online? Was it that sort of thing? or that is That is exactly right. So what we were told, and I don't think it's bad advice. I just think that you have to take the advice and modify it for your audience and your organization. But yes, it would be very easy um, for us to take, for example, some of the content from our self-study modules and put that online. But our self-study modules sell extremely well, even though they are old school publications. And yes, people hate to pay for shipping. But at the end of the day, they're very uh, well rated. And it's a good experience for those who do um, still uh, harness the opportunity to learn in that way. Um, So what we found was that that was not going to help us grow our education expand our offerings, nor was it going to help us really provide a new experience. Yeah. Then that's really what we wanted to do um, is, you know, kind of differentiate what this online learning experience was going to be like. We don't we didn't want to try to recreate what we already had. And we also didn't want to undermine or devalue what we already had. They're all very important parts of our educational offerings, but they're all unique from one another. Mm-hmm. That's great. And, and so I know as part of what you're doing with online learning, you, you've launched a learning management system and, and you, mm-hmm. that, that happened recently, correct? Yes. So we actually just launched the learning management system at the end of 2015, December 1st to be exact. So it was very exciting. Um, I think what's interesting is the what is the definition of launch? Right, (laughs) right. We had two launches. Um, We had the launch of the system, um, and then we had the launch of 
AMWA online learning. Mm. So we actually launched the system, what our what our vendor would consider a launch of the system uh, over the summer, because we really had spent a lot of time and energy to make sure that the integrations were in place, that the functionality was there, um, that it could meet our immediate needs for some of the uh, webinar recordings that we had put in there, as well as some of the resource documents that we were putting in there. What we didn't have was our new online learning, our new (laughs) interactive online learning, the whole reason, right, to say this is new, this is exciting. Uh, We didn't have that ready yet. So we had the system launched in the summer, but the the new offering, AMO Online Learning, launched uh, in December. Great. And so what what has that experience been like so far? I guess you're, if we, December 1st or, you know, a little over two months into it. Well, I would say that if you build it, they may come, but they may not buy. Mm. So what we are experiencing right now is that people are really excited. They're logging in. They're checking it out. They're asking us questions. They're downloading the free resources because we did put a bunch in there for our members. We're kind of forcing them into the system for some things that they used to be able to find just you know kind of on our website. We're now asking them to go into the system to find, but it's still free. Um, sales are slow. But that's okay. Um, We're expecting that. We only have a few online activities in there right now that are kind of what's new and what's exciting. So we're expecting that to to grow. So we're really thinking of the first six months, um, which happens to be our second half of our fiscal year, um, to be that growing period. And then we have stronger goals as we add more of the content by the end of um, June uh, for next year with regards to revenue growth. Gotcha. So when you were thinking about the launch of, um, of, of the online education, well, mm-hmm. how did you plan for that? What was that sort of t- timeline like? I mean, it sounds like we've heard at least that, you know, the, the learning management system went live in the summer and then it was in, not until December where there was content out there and it was, you were really mm-hmm. marketing it. But even if you back up even further, sort of, you know. Sure. Oh, my goodness. Um, Now you're asking me to go back. (laughs) I can't remember, but I do know that from all of my experiences uh, with AMS transitions, LMS transitions, uh, we take our time to get it right Mm. because it's just it's too important to have the right partner, um, not even necessarily the perfect system, but the right partner Mm. uh, in ensuring that you're working together towards success and that they're and that the vendor is interested in your success. So I would say from the start of our implement uh, selection process to that implementation, it was a full year. Yeah. Um, and so we took a lot of time to, you know, identify what our needs were and think about the type of partnership that we wanted. We, it, looking back, it does seem like a long time considering the fact that we didn't have any existing courses that needed to be imported into the system. We really were starting, starting from scratch. Um, and so we could build what we wanted. But I will be honest, we actually started hoping that our LMS would solve all the problems <laughs> of our education program and the world and our online edu- online registration process and, you know, you name it. We were ready for the LMS to be the fix. Right. Um, 
And one of the ways that we were able to identify the right partner for us was uh, the vendor sat down and said, let me have a frank conversation with you. Um, this is what an LMS does. This is what it doesn't. I can make it do this. <laughs> right. But is that really what you want the LMS to do? Um, and it really gave us an opportunity to sit down and say, okay, what do we really need? What do we need now? So that we can launch a system, we can launch it relatively efficiently and have it meet our immediate needs. But what else can the system do? We wanted to make sure we had a system that ultimately was robust enough that as we grew and as we got uh, reached our full potential, the system could grow with us. That's great. It took a long time to figure out who that right partner was. I know that... uh, the, the vendors that we worked with were very patient with us, and I would I would recommend them all, but ultimately we did we did make a selection, and we, as said, we're, we're launched and up and running. <laughs> well, great. And, and so if you are looking back, as, as you just were in terms of thinking about that process from the selection and then implementation and then launch, does anything jump to mind in terms of, gosh, if I had it to do again, I would do this differently, or I would definitely do the same thing that we did again, because that was so helpful? You know, I think that because of the experiences I've had with the AMSs, uh, that the process that we went for went through with the LMS really was the right process for mm. us. I still think that every step along the way, and I, I do references for a number of consultants that I've had the pleasure of working with over the years, and one of the things I always tell people when they call me for a reference is, remember that the consultant is only providing their their knowledge and their expertise and their recommendations based on their experiences. At the end of the day, you are still responsible for taking that knowledge and taking those ideas and taking those recommendations and making the decision that's right for your organization. The consultant can't do that or the vendor can't do that. So just I would say my biggest recommendation piece of advice if someone could take away is always remembering that it's your organization, your audience, your product, uh, your goals that need to be met. So find a partner that can give you expertise, give you functionality, give you support that you don't have. But remember that at the end of the day, you, you know, the buck stops with you and you got to be ready to accept that. That's great. I think that sense of responsibility um, is so important. And as we know, it's very important in learning, right? The learner has to <laughs> be willing to, to um, say, okay, I'm a part of this. And, you know, she can't just sit there and, and, and click through the screen. She has to be engaged and you're making that point in a different context, but it's still there. Right. <laughs> um, and so I know one thing that you uh, have mentioned being interested in is, is kind of shorter mm-hmm. online learning programs kind of in the maybe 10-minute range. And, and I understand that that's just a, a very – it's kind of a, uh, an inkling in your eye or, or something at, <laughs> right, this, at this exactly. point. But, um, you know, tell, tell us a little bit about kind of, you know, what, what you want to do with that and kind of how you're cool. trying to move towards, towards that. Absolutely. So as I mentioned, the – the programs that AMWA is best known for and is highly rated experiences are these three-hour workshops and these, you know, 100-page publications. So 
what we've been trying to do in building the new offerings that we have in Amwell Online Learning is we want to create things that are a little bit more, um, well, should I just say shorter? <laughs> they need yeah. to be, you know, op- things that people can do on demand. And really, we'd prefer if they could start and finish within one seating comfortably. Now for every learner that's different, so it does need to be a system that can allow you to start and stop. Um, But for our group, going from three hours uh, to 20 minutes to, um, dare I say, 10 minutes, (laughs) really is a stretch. So the first sort of activities that we've created, even with our best intentions in mind to get them to 20-minute ch- chunks, uh, they're all about 45 minutes long. Um, <laughs> and, you know, we've, we've done a lot of testing with our audience prior to launching them and our, our content uh, matter experts and our um, reviewers they've all been comfortable with that amount of time for the content, for the purpose of the programs that we've created so far. But yes, I have a little twinkle in my eye for the future of something that would be, I'd I'd first at least like to try to create something that's a little bit more around the 20 minute range um, and focus in on a specific skill or a specific uh, content area rather than what's been created so far, which we do have a tendency to be a little bit broad based here at AMWA because we are an umbrella organization for the medical writing community. So we get individuals that work in so many different aspects of medical and scientific communication. So for our broad-based knowledge, it is very difficult to do an overview of what is regulatory writing or an overview of scientific publications in just 20 minutes. Mm. So the next thing that we're going to be working on with our um, education volunteer team is really identifying what are some, you know, topics that we think can be taught in shorter amounts and really hone in on specific skills that people can come, get on to the system, check it out, and they're in and they're out and they've learned something. And, um, that's uh that's my goal. <laughs> All right. Well, great. Well, we'll look forward to hearing how that goes. And um, yes, yeah, so let's do this again in a year. That's see. right. <laughs> <laughs> and and so I think another area where you're maybe starting to to explore more is is around the integration of of learning in the online community. I think you have an <laughs> online community platform that you're going to be launching soon. And so. Y- to what extent have you thought about how that online community platform fits with your um, online education and offline education for that matter? Yeah. Where does that stand? Well, so AMWA had a very, very robust um, listserv. And so we are anticipating that this online community is going to be very successful, even though it's a, you know, it's a different way of interacting with a community but we are really excited about the online community and it's launching next week. So uh, we can definitely talk. Hopefully in a year, I'll be telling you how phenomenal and successful it is. Excellent. Um, we are starting very much just with it being more focused on the informal learning, you know, um, individuals talking to one another, sharing information with one another. But we would like to 
consider what could be done through the community functionality to create um, whether it is still more informal and just around um, areas of practice or creating discussions around a specific educational activity. Those are some of the things that we're beginning to uh, consider. But for this first year, it's really about, and, and, and AMWA members have been amazing at doing this up until now, sharing their knowledge with one, one another. They're incredibly um, giving and generous when it comes to their knowledge and their expertise. So we are expecting the system to really support that informal learning that the community can give one another. And we may sit back and watch and see what happens <laughs> and then figure out, okay, this is what they're talking about naturally. These are the tools and resources they're sharing with themselves. Now, where are the gaps? Where can we step in and say, we can provide support or oversight or what are the questions that they're asking over and over again so we can create a resource for it? It seems like in a number of your responses and the stories you've shared, it, it just seems that there's kind of a, a culture at AMWA of, you know, you don't have to do everything quickly, that you can take the time and you can plan and you can be thoughtful. I, I will say that we have been lucky in that regard that uh, this organization, the members have not... They are not necessarily on the cusp of technology. Um, I, I say that without, you know, reservation. They are they self-admitted. Um, with that said, they still are looking to their professional association to help them understand what's available. Um, we've, for example, medical writers uh, are used to writing long, complicated. Um, communications, social media, 140 <laughs> characters, not necessarily the medium for, uh, for medical writers. So that, if, for example, is an area where we've been able to provide some resources and some support. Um, I don't, nothing really educational yet is planned for the AMO online learning, but we've done a few webinars and we've provided some resources in that area. So we do try to provide support for them, but they're not looking to us to be um, cutting edge. Yeah. Yeah. Well, no, and I meant it too, I actually meant it as a really nice thing that I think that sometimes <laughs> there can be that sense of, I mean, urgency can be good in that it can make things happen and get them done, but I think urgency can also be dangerous and that things can then get done in sort of a, a uh, slipshod sort of manner. Exactly. And so really uh, what I need to give appreciation to is our volunteer leadership. They are incredibly supportive of the staff process and for the need to be thoughtful and to be strategic and to plan out what we're doing so that we do ultimately create a product that is high quality and that lives up to the expectations and the value proposition that the previous offerings have. So even though the world is moving at a much faster pace, we they do not want us to compromise quality. And so they, they give us some space to make that happen. And so we're very grateful to have a good partnership with them. Well, that is great. And and kind of speaking about then some of the structural elements of, of AMWA, I mean, you're a small staff. Um, yes. <laughs> And how many staff are you here? Eight? Oh, current, uh, currently nine. Nine. Okay. Yes. Grown yeah. a little bit. Okay. Mm -hmm. And I know that you came to the Leading Learning Symposium in, in October. And I know one of the things you had sort of shared is that after you went back that you were kind of 
looking for a new position to to sort of support the online <laughs> education, but maybe other things too. And so right. I just wanted to see if you would talk a little bit about kind of how you went about making the case for more resources and, and staff and, and sure. or how you are making that case to the extent that you're continuing to, to look to grow. Well, we just got out of an executive committee meeting last week and really had a very um, fruitful discussion about our limited resources and thinking about where we wanted to put those limited resources and online learning was yet again confirmed as the number one priority for the organization, um, not just aspirationally, but where we'll be willing to make investments. Mm. Um, with that said, there still are limited resources, so we can't just you know uh, create a new staff position. But what we can do is realign um, some of our existing staff to make sure that we put the talent and the resources towards the online learning program and help release them of the time and effort that they're putting into processes and procedures and some programs as well that are not as, um, they're not as important to the organization as they were perhaps just a few years ago. And so, again, that partnership with leadership so that they understand that in order to, I can't get a new staff position, not right now, we need to bring in more revenue and I'm confident that's going to happen. But until then, let's make sure that we are structuring our expectations of staff and their major job responsibilities uh, towards our focus on online education. That's great. I mean, it's sometimes the solutions can be so so simple. I mean, I think just that idea of rethinking, reevaluating what um, responsibilities and goals are for staff makes so much sense to make sure that it does align with higher level strategy. Right. And we we tend to do that a lot. <laughs> I, I don't know if every small staff does it, but it, certainly in my experience, when you have such a small staff, especially as we said, even though they give us time and space to be thoughtful about things, it things are moving at an incredibly fast pace. So I feel like almost every three to four months, we are sitting down, we're taking a look at staff, we're taking a look at what they do, and trying to make sure that the work that's being done is aligned with where we're trying to go. That's great. And so um, just we're coming to the end of our conversation. So I just have a couple last questions for you. And, and one of them is, is just to ask you how you approach your own personal lifelong learning. How do you make sure that you're continuing to learn and, and grow? Well, right now I am pursuing a master's degree in nonprofit management. So that takes up um, pretty much all of my free time for personal lifelong learning. Um, But, you know, I would say speaking of online communities, I I participate in a number of them, um, ASAE, as well as the leading learning uh, community. And I find those invaluable, Um, learning from my peers and reading their posts and blogs and white papers that they recommend. It's just that is the most relevant content to the sorts of issues that are coming up for me on a daily basis. So I really value participating uh, in those communities. And then I also feel that it's important to have some, some breathing room, not just for learning, but for absorbing the information that you've received and for thinking creatively. So, um, you know, when you're really busy, it's sometimes hard to, to think creatively. So, um, 
I try to make sure I find time for exercise. Uh, I, I would say some of my greatest ideas come to me, you know, on the elliptical machine or yes. in the middle of yoga class, you know, it's like, oh, got to write that down. <laughs> um, and also, as as you mentioned, uh, you know, in my distant past, I was a singer and I do try to find opportunities to explore the creative side um, and, and bring that into uh, my learning process and my daily work. I I actually was very excited to be asked to do a voiceover for one of the online learning activities that we created. So that was just fabulous to, you know, kind of bring those two worlds together. Excellent. Well, so to to wrap up, what are ways that people can can find you and connect with you if they'd like to, to hear more about you? Sure. I welcome people to email me. That's really the best way. I tell my entire staff, if it's not in an email, it's not going to happen. So uh, email me. It's srager at amwa.org. That's S-R-A-G-E-R at A-M-W-A.org. Feel free to connect with me on LinkedIn as well. Um, when it comes to social media, though, I'm pretty much focusing on uh, AMWA's uh, efforts, and that's at AMMedWriters, in case you're interested in the world of medical communication. Great. Well, thank you so much, Sherry, for talking today. It's been a pleasure. Thank you. So that wraps up our interview with Sherry Rager. As we are exiting here, wanted to, again, be sure to mention the Learning Technology Design event, or LTD, that will take place in Arlington on May 18th and 19th. And we sure hope you can join us for that. You can find out more at ltd.leadinglearning.com. Also wanted to, again, thank WebCourseWorks for being a sponsor of our webinars and, by extension, of this podcast episode. You can find out more about WebCourseWorks at www.webcourseworks.com. To get show notes for this episode, go to leadinglearning.com slash episode 22. While you're there, you'll see options for subscribing to the podcast. And we recommend that you do if you are getting value out of the podcast. And we we would appreciate it if you would subscribe. We'd also be grateful, as always, if you would take a minute just to give us a ratings on iTunes. All you have to do is go to leadinglearning.com forward slash iTunes. It'll get you to just where you need to go, and it won't take but a minute to give us some stars, write a few comments up, and that helps other folks to find the podcast. And we also hope you will consider telling others about the podcast. You can send a tweet by going to leadinglearning.com slash share. That auto-populates a tweet that you can use, or if tweeting isn't your thing, you can grab that text and use it in uh, the social network of your preference, or just share in your own words how wonderful you think this is. So thanks again, and we'll see you next time on the Leading Learning Podcast.